Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. Valentine's Day for most holds a special place in their hearts. It may be your opportunity to shower your partner with love and adoration, eat a pint of ice cream on your couch, hang with your galantines or boyantines. For me, it's my brother's birthday. He passed away on February 21st, 2009 but he was our Valentine's baby. So I can't see a better way to celebrate his memory than by telling you spooky ghost stories and a little bit about the visits from the beyond. Who knows, it might be heartwarming or scary. Okay, ready to get spooked? Winter Long has had paranormal experiences ever since they were two years old, and we hope to hear more from them in future episodes. In December 2006, I moved into a new apartment that had been vacant for years and recently renovated. Before I moved in, a man had died in the building. Initially, murder was suspected, but the autopsy revealed it was a brain aneurysm. There was so much blood, it leaked into the apartment below. I should also note, there is a large graveyard right next door, and I lived alone and had no pets. Almost immediately after moving in, things started happening. My grandmother had bought me this cute heart-shaped white ceramic dish with red hearts on it before Valentine's Day. I kept it on my coffee table with wrapped candies in it. One day, I came home from work to find the dish smashed to pieces in the exact spot it had always been sitting. Candies still on top. Nothing else in my apartment was touched. Soon after that, I would wake up repeatedly in the middle of the night to my bathroom taps running full blast. These were knob taps you had to turn, not the swivel kind you can lift up. I would use two hands to tighten the knobs as much as possible, and this would still happen. As time went on, my kitchen taps would join in on the fun, and I would wake up to all of my taps running full blast at random hours of the night. These taps I would have turned so tight when I went to use them again, I would need both hands just to get the water going. And then the shower curtain. I would often find my shower curtain ripped off the rings and half laying in my bathtub. The number of shower curtains I went through was ridiculous. The first few times I would fix the few ripped holes, but after I started repairing the curtain, it would usually be entirely pulled down the next time as if it was stopping me from being able to fix it. In the middle of the night, I would be woken up by someone or something that was constantly poking me. I could feel the weight of a body sit down on my bed and the constant tap, tap, tap on my shoulder or back, and sometimes a swift punch if I was ignoring it for too long, but no one was ever there. Once the tapping and punching started, my pajamas would go missing. I always made my bed first thing in the morning and folded my pajamas up and left them on the corner of my bed for nighttime. 
Often I'd come home from work and they would be missing. I'd look everywhere but with no luck. Usually a week later, they would reappear. Part of me wondered because the apartment had been vacant for so long. Did someone else maybe have a key? Was someone letting themselves in and playing tricks on me? An acquaintance suggested I use clear tape on my door near the hinges to see if anyone was entering my apartment when I was away. The first time I tried the tape, I went out for the evening and returned home late around 1am. I could hear a noise coming from inside my apartment as I approached my door. I checked the tape and it was well hidden and undisturbed. I opened my door and right away I could hear my alarm clock screeching. The alarm clock I've never set or even used. And all my taps are running full force. This was the first time I felt relief knowing no one had been in my apartment, but more unsettled as obviously this ghost knew I was onto it and I felt it was sending me a message. The intensity of my experiences was increasing. One night I woke up feeling as though I was being watched. At the end of my bed was a stone-like statue figure of a person who very much resembled Medusa, snakes in her hair and all. I kept telling her to get out, get out. At that same moment, my phone rang and it was my best friend telling me about a terrible date she had. I still remember the call to this day. I clearly was understanding her and responding to her in my mind but she said I wasn't speaking English and she couldn't understand a word I was saying. She was so distraught over our conversation and she knew what had been happening in my apartment. She called my parents and had them rush over to check on me. I was 23 at the time and they went through all the usual parent questions. Had I been drinking? No. Had I done drugs? No. I've never done drugs and they know that. They couldn't explain my behavior. My mom even took my temperature, thinking I had a fever. They spent a part of the night sitting with me until I fell asleep. I started researching how to get rid of ghosts. I found one site detailing a series of steps in a specific order you had to do it in, in order to get the ghosts to leave. I don't remember all the steps, but part of it had to do with acknowledging the ghost and asking it to leave. I only had to do these steps once and it worked instantly. My taps never ran again on their own, the shower curtain stayed up, my pajamas didn't disappear, dishes weren't breaking, and I wasn't being poked and punched in my sleep. Was it the person who died before I moved in, or someone visiting from the graveyard? I have no idea. I've had paranormal experiences since I was a toddler, and in my opinion, my experiences are not related to each other, as in, it's not the same thing or person each time. Winter, I can't even imagine what it must be like to have experiences as a toddler. I know you don't really understand these people are on the other side at such a young age, but I'm glad you were able to rid your apartment of whatever entity was there before you arrived. Now, Minor Shan tells us about their stay 
on the infamously haunted ship, the Queen Mary. So, I and my boyfriend were fans of nautical history, so we decided to spend our Valentine's Day in 2007 on the Queen Mary. As I'm sure most of you are aware, it's reported to be haunted. That was also kind of the appeal to us, but mostly, we both have BAs in European history, so it's cool to us in general. Anyway, we got a historical suite, meaning it was mostly like it had been when the ship was commissioned, aside from an old TV. The first night we stayed there on Valentine's Day, we both woke up to what sounded like the drawers of the built-in dresser being opened and slammed shut repeatedly. We're both not the types to freak out and run, but I can't really say why we were both so low-key that we just acknowledged that the other was okay and eventually went back to sleep. Mainly because it was truly alarming at the time. Maybe we just trusted that if we were both okay, then everything was okay. I don't know. But then we didn't know the history of the room. The next day we went on the ghost tour. Turns out we were sleeping in the second most haunted room on the ship. The room next door was Churchill's suite where he planned battles during World War II. While we didn't experience the cigar smell that many have reported staying in that room, it was still interesting that without knowing our room was known to have paranormal events happen, we did. We had some weird camera malfunctions in the engine room as well as creepy aggressive feelings in an old museum room on the ship, which we only found because we kind of tried to get into every unlocked room on the ship. It's not advertised. It honestly felt like somebody was creeping up behind our backs, but again, just feeling so... Shrug? Okay, I'll be real. My dream has been to stay on a haunted ship. I follow YouTuber Loie Lane, and she stayed there a year or so ago, I believe. It was a trip to watch, but trust me, I'm sure there's nothing like being there yourself. Maybe I can convince my husband to spend the night there with me. I don't know, we'll see. Dirty Pie has our next story that just so happened around Valentine's Day. A sleepover gone wrong, if you will. This was a few years back in high school, a little bit after Valentine's Day. That'll make more sense with the story once I continue. My friend decided to come over and stay at my house for the night. Everything was going great. We were watching random stuff on my TV, pretty sure it was a movie. We were both sitting on the floor and the craziest thing happened. The balloons that my boyfriend at the time gave me for Valentine's Day got pulled all the way to the ground out of nowhere and then they just floated back up as something tugged it down we were both really freaked out 
so I decided to move to the other side of my friend and stay far away from the balloons and continue watching the movie. Maybe 10 to 15 minutes later, we heard tapping on my window. We were getting shaken up about everything going down and try to calm each other down. There's no way someone could casually tap on my window though, because I live on the third floor of my house. After calming each other down, we kept watching stuff on my TV, ignoring everything that happened. Now, I know my mom said our house was haunted, but I never experienced things as crazy as that. We heard footsteps every once in a while, and I would open my door to check if anyone was walking around, and no one was. It started getting really late. It was almost 5.45 a.m., so we decided to try to lay down and get some sleep. But something didn't want us to. My friend was sleeping on the floor, so I gave her some blankets and some pillows to get comfortable as we were lying down. And as we were lying down, we started to hear banging footsteps on my roof. We were terrified. I whispered to my friend, Did you hear that? And she replied, Yes, but I'm trying to ignore it. So that's what I tried to do too, but it wouldn't stop and it kept getting louder. So we made the brave decision to take our blankets and run all the way down to the kitchen. The creepiest thing was that when we started leaving the room, the footsteps followed us all the way to the stairs. Stopped and then started walking away. We didn't go back in my room for almost two hours. My mom checked out my room and told me it was probably a squirrel. But my friend and I both know a squirrel doesn't have that kind of power to create those kinds of footsteps. I still hear things in my room, but nothing as terrifying as that. I'm going to pause the spooky tales so you can hear a word from our sponsors. Listen, I'm with you. Squirrels definitely don't stomp around. I feel like the balloon can be explained if it was a helium balloon. My mom had a balloon that she left at our house for her birthday. And all of a sudden, it just floated up to the top of the ceiling. It was attached to a bag, so it definitely should not have been floating. My brother was visiting at the time, and we just kind of looked at each other like, what the hell was that? We investigated and found out that it was my cat that had chewed on the string and released it. So the paranormal activity that I thought was happening had been debunked. Now, Fangirl Gone Wild shares a story with us about her possibly naughty father-in-law. I figured I would share some of my experiences as well. A little background. In 2010, I moved in with my now fiancé. He has lived in this house since he moved down to our city when he was about eight. His father, whom I have never met, died a few years back from a stroke. And now for some of my experiences. 
A few months after I moved in, around Thanksgiving and Christmas, things started happening. One night, my fiancé and I were having a midnight cigarette and had to lean out of the sliding glass doors since it was raining. He went to bed first and I was still finishing up. I was facing the front windows of the house and we had a small light on in the kitchen. As I was finishing my smoke, I looked at one of the windows and I swear I was staring at a figure. There were no features but an outline of a body and what seemed to be a cane. Now, here's the weird part. A few days later, I asked my fiancé if his dad ever used a cane. He told me later in life he did after his first stroke and asked me why I wanted to know. Like I said, I never met this man in my life. Around the same time, closer to Christmas, we're going to sleep. I had a bunch of papers from my class on my nightstand and computer desk. I had heard shuffling, and as I'm a light sleeper, I laid there trying to figure out since we had no animals living with us at the time, and there was no vent near the papers, what was going on. I was exhausted, so I shrugged it off and tried to fall back asleep. It was extremely hot, so I threw the comforter off and had the sheet on me pulled up to my shoulder. I finally got comfortable and was about to pass out when the sheet was yanked down. We were both not moving, so it was definitely not us. Of course, I woke up my fiancé and told him, and he said, yeah, it was probably dad. I sleep topless, so he made jokes that he was probably trying to see my breasts. On Valentine's Day last year, I wanted to do something different for my fiancé. I bought a cute see-through dress and cooked dinner for him when he got home from work. I went up behind him, hugged him, and we were talking when suddenly the end of the dress, which was barely covering my bottom, was flipped up onto my back. Of course, I jumped up and my fiancé asked what was wrong, so I told him. He laughed and said it was definitely his dad. I'm not going to lie, I laughed so hard at this story. I mean, seriously, what a naughty spirit. I don't really have any other commentary other than that, but I'm sure there are ways to stop things like that from happening, or at least I hope there are. Like, I definitely would not want his spirit hanging around during times of intimacy, but I also can't be the only person who thinks about things like that. But I'm sure, like I said, there's a way to be like, hey, a little privacy here. I just had a creepy thought, and I'm so sorry to put this in your brain, everybody who's listening, but do you ever think about the people who are voyeurs now while they're alive, but when they die, do they just get like super excited because they can truly become undetected voyeurs now? I think about like good times at El Royale kind of style. Anyways, sorry that I gave everybody that clumps into my mind about the silly things I think of sometimes. But our final story comes from Lomac, who really came in clutch with a beautiful story. Warning, this is kind of lengthy, but trust me, all the details are needed. 
My grandparents had been married for 55 years when my grandfather passed away a few years ago. My grandfather was one of the most loving people I've ever met and cared about his family more than anything. Before I get into this story, it's important to know that my grandmother lost 90% of her hearing. I've always been told that this was due to a bad case of the flu, but I don't know specifics. She lost her hearing when she was in her 30s and had been deaf the majority of her adult life. My grandparents lived in a small house out in the country, about 20 minutes out of town, which they loved but became concerned when they reached old age because of how remote they were if anything bad were to ever happen. In the year that my grandfather passed, he passed in November, his health began to steadily decline, but he was very stubborn about staying active and continuing to do the things he loved, one of which involved fiddling out in the yard. This included fixing anything he could find that needed to be with his various tools and scrap parts he had collected over the years. One day in the spring before he died, while washing up for dinner, he noticed his ring was missing from his ring finger. He had lost a lot of weight and we finally assumed that the ring had most likely fallen off his finger somewhere in the yard. My grandfather was a large man and at this point had lost nearly 100 pounds from when he was healthy. We searched high and low for that ring for months, praying that it would turn up but never with any luck. Now, back to my grandmother. With Papa's days numbered, he began to become increasingly worried about her living in the house alone while being deaf. My mother, though very attentive, is an only child and lives roughly 30 minutes from her mother if something were to happen, and the few neighbors they have are often out of town. My grandmother had been told by her audiologist that she would be a perfect candidate for a cochlear implant and the device could greatly improve her hearing. But with my grandfather being sick, she never thought twice about declining it, as she knew it would hinder her ability to care for him. In my grandfather's last days, he urged her to have the surgery as a dying wish so she could keep her independence, and she finally agreed. She had the implant put in in January of the following year, a little over a month after my grandfather's passing. I don't know all the technicalities of the post-op process, but she had to wait several weeks after surgery to be able to turn on the device, during which time she was totally, note she was 90% before, deaf. She became severely depressed during this time, not only from the recovery process, but also she greatly missed my grandfather and was having a hard time adjusting to living alone. The first week in February, she went back to her doctor to activate the device, but to her dismay, her hearing was nowhere near where she thought it would be. The doctor told her this was normal and that there would be a long rehab period where she would have to train her brain to understand the device, but I believe she thought it would be somewhat instant and this only discouraged her more. The following week was the first Valentine's Day she had spent alone in 55 years. It was all she could do to pull herself out of bed and make a pot of coffee that for so long had been shared with my grandfather. She took her cup of coffee and sat on the edge of his bed. They had separate rooms since I was little because of his snoring, and she began to tear up. 
For some reason, she had the urge to look down and sitting there, right in the middle of the bedroom floor, was my papa's wedding ring he had lost nearly a year prior. She called my mother in hysterics who immediately rushed out there thinking something terrible had happened. When my mom got there, she couldn't help but cry with her. We had all been in and out of that room countless times, and there's no way that ring could have been sitting there going unnoticed by any of us for an entire year. I know as crazy as it is, some people will still find ways to try to explain it, but I feel like that was his way of saying, I love you and I'm still here. It's been three years now and my grandmother is doing much better and can proudly even hear birds chirping outside. We still have the ring and one day I plan to give it to my future husband as to me, it is undoubtedly a symbol of undying love. Ooh, okay, you guys, I will admit that that story really tugged on my heartstrings and it was the perfect way to end this Valentine's Day episode. Okay, well, that wraps up this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me at hauntedpod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to thank you for listening. Please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really, really does help us out. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted Instagram at It's Haunted What Now or at hauntedpod.com. The spookiest audio engineer for the show is Chess Gray, who manages Gray Multimedia. The official composer for the show and spooky tune creator is Nico at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Until next time. Did you hear that? <laughs>